Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's guest is Quentin Smith. Quentin lives in Wanaka, New Zealand, and he's someone I know well. He helped me through my recovery. He's a paraplegic and he has a really balanced life from what I can tell. He is an adventurer, he loves recreation, but he has an inclusive approach to that, meaning he doesn't look at recreational activities as adaptive sports. He prefers to uh, join in with everybody else uh, who aren't necessarily doing anything adaptive. He's also a business owner and has an interesting experience to tell there. And also more recently, he's been involved in community politics. And it's the politics and that community involvement which he credits for helping him get through some of his darkest times. Quentin's an awesome guy. Quentin, thanks so much for joining us on Adaptify. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. So first off, for our listeners, can you just explain a little bit about yourself and uh, more importantly, how you ended up spending your life uh, in a wheelchair? Sure. Um, So just over 10 years ago, I had a paragliding crash um, uh, living in Wanaka, New Zealand, and um, that resulted in a break of my L1, L2 vertebrae and complete spinal cord lesions. So... In the days following that, did you have any uh, did you have any other injuries that sort of delayed your recovery? No, it was quite <laughs> quite unusual in a way, and that there wasn't a scratch on me actually. Um, a paraglider's got quite a protective harness, so the actual um, scratches and bruises and uh, you know, they, I just didn't have any. I didn't have a head injury. I didn't have um, any of that stuff. But the just the sheer impact the shoe um yeah caused the the break so that i had no no other complicating injuries so what went wrong what happened uh, i mean it, it's always interesting to i suppose look back on these things and i suppose some people i suppose can get caught up in blaming others for their injuries you know maybe if you're hit by a drunk driver or if you were um you know, and, and I, there can be a lot of anger. For me, I suppose it was a bit different in that I, I made a small mistake on the day, but the mistake had quite big consequences. Yeah, I suppose that's the difference I, I, for, in my situation is I didn't have anyone else to blame. It was just a relatively benign mistake that resulted in a, a large consequence. What was one of the hardest things you had to overcome in those first few months? Um, you know, it was, a, it was interesting process, uh, in the, in the re- rehabilitation as a, you know, I think people definitely have very different experiences there. For me, I really didn't see any other option, but just to, to get on and make the most of it. Um, you know, I focused quite strongly on, on physical rehabilitation and getting, um, back to, yeah, and, and, and even, right from the very beginning, focusing on trying to get back to the things that I'd done before, um, you know, and then a really supportive group of friends. I mean, I, I think the week I got home from hospital, we were already in the swimming pool with a kayak and, um, you know, things like that. So it's, yeah, 
really just trying to focus on what I could do, not what I couldn't. Um, but yeah, that, that was my, my initial response, but you know, I've certainly been through some tough times since then. And for me, that probably came to head at probably year three, year four. And when I really started the reality of it started to set in that the, um, the, immediate sort of enthusiasm I suppose of support and uh, and um, whatever had died off there were still really good people around me but the you know the initial enthusiasm had died away um, and that the realities of some of the things that I could and couldn't do have really started to hit home so yeah. what were some of those things um I suppose, you know, as I said, I injured myself paragliding. So, you know, for me, I really wanted to get back paragliding. So, um, and I, I did in the first, um, in the first 12 months or 18 months, I, I did go back to paragliding. We had a, a buggy that came from um, an organisation in the UK that, um, you know, initially did a tandem with a friend and then um, and got back to solo paragliding in this buggy. But the reality of that I suppose quickly hit home that I was heavily reliant on other people to to launch me and to to help me pack up when I landed, and it there, it wasn't what I knew previously. <laughs> in the the that I could walk up a hill, I could fly off, I could land by the side of the road, you know, twenty mm. or thirty or fifty or eighty kilometers from where I started, and um, hitchhike home and that reality just wasn't um, wasn't there anymore. I, uh, and that, I suppose, that was something that I've now let disappear into my past, I suppose. I still still love it as a sport. I still follow it, but I um, it's not something that I feel I can do on a regular basis, you know. So letting go of something like that, it's pretty hard, right? It, how... You know, aside from just slowly coming to that reality, how, how did you end up coming to that realisation? How did you end up letting it go? Well, I think it was just time and currency. I, you know, it's it's one of those sports where you have to be active and chasing it and you have to be current if you're to be doing it safely. And um, by the time, you know, six months go past, a year go past, 18 months go past where you haven't, got enough flying in or you haven't had a chance to do it or other things have um have stopped you from doing it then you yeah i just have had just had to realize that i couldn't you know keep that up in the way that i wanted so so aside from the access issues that brought you down so to speak what were some of the other things that you were struggling with at that year three four mark that you just described before. Yeah, the um, I suppose the uh, there was a period of time where I thought I was experiencing depression. I, I later understood more that that was anxiety, that the uncertainty, I suppose, around um, life with a spinal cord injury and where, um, you know, where you were going to be in a couple of years' time, what you're going to do for work, what um, all those sort of things, and it and it really revealed to me that anxiety was was the root of of my mood I suppose at that time um 
and you know something that understanding that has actually been quite empowering and that I um, have a different approach to what I, I suppose deem as, as depression or um, mm. or mood as a result of understanding that um, that it's driven by anxiety in my case. So, so how did you just how did you find out that that was anxiety? Well, I, I mean, at, at that time, I, I actually did approach medical help at that time, spoke to my GP and then was referred to a um, um, psychologist a, or? Yeah, um, so, psycho, psychological nurse and um, and did a assessment of, of that. And, you know, as I said, that was quite revealing and quite empowering in a way. Um, and, um, you know, I think generally speaking, I those things are, under control um, for me and I understand the causes of those. I, I certainly, you know, have ups and downs like we all do, but it's um, helpful to understand the root of those things, I think, yeah. So you were in a relationship when you had your accident. and Yeah, that's right, yep. And that relationship is still going strong and you've, you've, had, a, you've had a child. You had a child post-injury, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting one. You know, I've certainly been very fortunate with um, Kate and that she's supported me all the way through and was very um, um, supported through my rehabilitation. Um, we had an interesting situation, I suppose, when a rehab is that as we started to talk about the realities of um, life with a spinal cord, the, the injury, the, the question came up of, of do we want to have a family and and um you know that i suppose that we we said yes and had to understand the implications of ivf and all those sorts of things um and that actually all kicked into gear reasonably quickly and within 12 months of my injury we were actually um well down that road and um have a, have a lovely nine-year-old daughter now so yeah that's so good yeah, I mean, we, my wife and I, we we tried to have another another child. We got a ten year old, and it didn't work out for us. It's it's, I suppose, we just chalk it down to one of the impacts of of such an injury. Um, you know, it has has such an impact not only on you but but those around you, your friends and family. Um, so you know, you would have had a lot of friends that were paragliders in, in that scene. How did yes. you make that transition from having friends? In that area, to friends with Quentin as a as a paraplegic, what was that? What was that journey like? Yeah, well, I mean that's that's an interesting thing, and in that as with many of adventure sports, that the culture that they're within is quite tight, um, and that the um, you know that you go paragliding or you go rock climbing or you go kayaking for the day, and it often ends um, with a meal or with a a beer or coffee or um, a bowl of chips, you know, and so that really forges those friendships and that's, you do, you know, you, you certainly, some of those, forward, those some of those friendships um, last and uh, go beyond that and others don't. Um, and I suppose that was the reality that I had to realise that um, not being there at the end of the day, some people would think about you and other people wouldn't, to, to include you and other people wouldn't. Um, and, yeah, the, you know, that naturally evolves and obviously our life with our, our daughter has also evolved our, our social environment as well. So, I noticed a, 
a definite change in the the friends I kept post injury, and and I at first I I held on to that and I got a little bit sort of angry if I wasn't included. But over time, I I understood that well, actually, I, I can't stop my friends from going rock climbing, and I I can't be angry at them for going rock climbing and not inviting me because the fact is I I can't go with them, right? Um, and yeah, I guess once you made peace with that. I met with a whole range of other other people and and found a whole other circle of interest and um, and could sort of move on. So I mean, you've done just that. You've you've tried a lot of different uh, sports, uh, adapted sports, I suppose you could say, or just sports that you've been able to do without any special adaptions. Can you talk us through some of those um, some of those recreation activities that you you found enjoyment with and you still find enjoyment with today? Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose the, it's it's easy to split it to summer and winter initially, and in that the um, I was a skier my whole life, and that skiing was something that I definitely wanted to to pursue um, from early on. Um, with a fix, big fixation in my back, I, I couldn't do that within the first year, but the second year I was definitely straight into that, um, and. You know, I suppose that was something that for me I immediately found some a great sense of freedom in um, in that I, you know, within a reasonably short time could felt like I could ski the mountain, I could ski with side by side with friends and I certainly um, even uh, later on I could actually be intimately involved in, in teaching my daughter to ski, you know, and skiing with her. Um and so, you know, since that time, I've definitely, I did a little bit of ski racing and I've done, uh, and, I, and each season I've skied, um, you know, a, a reasonable amount. And I certainly um, find a lot of freedom with that. And, you know, we're actually heading off to Canada next week, um, just as on a family ski holiday to some peaks and looking forward to sort of, once again, I suppose, sort of traveling and exploring as part of that Um of that activity, you know, which is part of a big part of it. So um, that's really good. And I, I, I really feel that I can ski side by side with um, with my peers um, in a sit ski um, and not feel heavily compromised, you know. I can ski most terrain and most um, snow conditions and really um, feel feel freedom in that. So that's really good. Um, the, the summer sports, I suppose, um, you know, I was in, involved in say, sailing and um, fortunate that I had a good friend who, um, with a boat who was very keen to get me back out. So I suppose relatively early on I was um, back out on a trailer sailor and doing the, the weekly races at the local yacht club um, and, We've sailed um, probably four different styles of boat together and each one we find a way and a role that, you know, I, I can definitely fulfil on that boat without any compromise and, you know, we've we've been able to win races and um, side by side with um, the able-bodied crew, completely able-bodied crews and without a compromise I do think that sailing can can be a true equalizer sometimes um and more recently i've um i've got my own boat and it's a small trimaran um 
they're called a wetter and um, mm-hmm. something that is sporty and fun and small boat sailing with water in your face and something that I can sail with my daughter and um, with almost no adaption actually. There's a small, I have a small board that helps me transfer from one side of the boat to the other and that's the only change we've made to that boat. So it's, um, that's a really cool thing. And I, um, yeah, so I find sailing really good. I, I've done bits and I've done quite a bit of kayaking and also um, hand cycling and I've been really fortunate uh, recently to to get a, a new hand cycle and um, which was a, a lasher sport um, a, ATH FS with a power assist unit and that's been um, amazing actually it's really opened a whole bunch of new opportunities for me that I haven't had previously. Yeah, I see photos of you out ripping around, going places you've not possibly thought you'd get to without something like that. Uh, that's that's amazing. It must feel great. Hey, so last year I believe you turned forty. Is that have I got that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, it's um, now it's a trip. I suppose a quarter of my life in uh, in the wheelchair. So, <laughs> how did you celebrate that? Well, you know, for me, I. Um, really wanted to try and mark that occasion and also you know it was a, a significant period in down the road of my injury and I, I wanted to do something adventurous I suppose um so we we actually roughed we flew by helicopter into a remote area in the South Island in New Zealand and rafted out with some friends over a couple of days on a, a pretty pretty great pretty exciting river so that was a a really um you know I, I can look back and feel like I marked that occasion <laughs> successfully. So. so you weren't staying in comfortable huts. You were you were camping. This is this is some rough and wild stuff, right? So uh, I, I assume you had some sort of uh, clothing that was suitable to protect your skin and you know, did you take a wheelchair with you? Yeah, we did we did on that occasion. The um Having a raft is you, you can afford to take some some gear um, like a, like a wheelchair. Um, so yeah, we, we flew in by helicopter. So we had a minimum. We had um, restrictions on the amount of weight we could um, take, I suppose. So we had um, a raft and four kayaks and um, ten or eleven of us. And yeah, it was you sort of fly up this valley into the mount from the from the west coast of New Zealand up the, up this valley into the mountains into the main divide and the the helicopter lands and you um disappears and suddenly you're just in the middle of nowhere and all you've got is a pile of bags and a and a bunch of people you know it was yeah what really it's, remote, uh, hey? it's you're it's, surrounded you're really by mountains fun. super rugged um, yeah, super rugged. Pretty, pretty exposed. I mean, you you could say it's a pretty dangerous place to be caught out, right? Yeah, um, it, and it, it, potentially. And I and I had a lot of, um, I suppose, fear or was anxious about that prior to to turning up to, to in the weeks up to it, saying, "Oh, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens?" Um, and in some ways, that actually disappeared when the helicopter went away <laughs> um, because once you're there, you've actually just got to deal with what's in front of you um, hmm. and think about the what ifs. So that was, um, you know, that's one of the things I love about 
adventure, I suppose, is that it puts you in the now and um, actually allows you to free yourself from some of those um, inhibitors of, of thinking about what might may or may not occur. It's actually really interesting because I've discovered through lots of similar adventures that, you know, in the lead up there is lots of anxieties and then when you're in the when you're in the moment and there, it's pretty empowering because you know that well, you know that you've got to focus, you've got to concentrate on, you know, taking care of yourself. And and once you once you're doing that, you know, you actually realize that, oh, okay, I can we I can do this. This is this is this is awesome. And and actually those those fears that you had before, they just seem to they seem to melt away, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, and I, that's one of the things I, I really love about that stuff. And it, you know, for me, that was in many ways it was something I wanted to do for for a long time. And the, the planets aligned in that occasion, really good crew, good people, and um, good conditions. And um, yeah, it was a really exciting trip. So. so you mentioned earlier about the the change in your you know anxiety around career and what you were doing. You've you've had a couple of uh, couple of careers and and you you also ran a business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we had a business called we uh, myself and another paraplegic um, developed called Wheel World Products, and we very early on we realised that the equipment and the availability of equipment and even the types of wheelchairs and stuff were available in New Zealand were, were relatively limited so that we had to initially we went out we ordered some sit skis from Austria and um we both ordered the same one and um organized the shipping and all that sort of stuff and very quickly that turned from being um you know just servicing our own needs to to also you know looking to help others get the equipment that they needed um, and I suppose over a period of eight or nine years that we've, that's sort of been operating, we've, we've evolved through a bunch of different products. We've bought um, a number of um, sit skis and hand cycles and uh, freewheels and motorised um, equipment and all sorts of things, you know, over the years, and it's been um been really interesting to see yeah what's out there and to to pr- bring new things to New Zealand that haven't been here before you know um, that must be quite satisfying to see uh, people using those products and experiencing uh, you know freedom I guess as a result absolutely and you know I suppose um, you know Corey Peters is an interesting example of that is that you know, initially we sort of helped him get into a sit ski and he's gone all the way through to Paralympic medals and certainly exceeded our our, our own ski abilities by a long way. So that's so cool. Hey, so more recently though, you're you've got into politics and like since I've known you, you've been uh, very active in championing access and changing uh, local government perspective on on access. Um, talk us through how you decided to uh, get involved with politics. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, as you say, over the years I've been a, a strong sort of advocate, not just of accessibility issues, but actually of community issues like um, uh, environmental causes um, and uh, 
you know, providing lobbying for sports facilities and um, better services for our community, uh, our small community here. So I suppose that was the that was the root of um, my my interest in politics and that I and I also have a background in resource management planning. So I've got a good understanding of the processes and legislation around it. So I found myself sort of naturally in this position of being a voice um, in the community and that over time that that I suppose resulted in both people supporting me but also me wanting to have a stronger voice in um, in that. Um, so, you know, it's been an interesting process that I, when I stood for the local council, local government in um, in the Queenstown Lakes District, I didn't... Um, I didn't stand on a platform of accessibility or of, of supporting disability, but it certainly provided a, a huge amount of opportunity to to promote that cause while I'm in 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 the in the system, so to speak. And we've um, you know we've been really fortunate to get um, support from council to, to develop a new disability policy and to um, you know certainly cast a much more critical eye over all the projects that council do in terms of accessibility as well. So, and are you seeing you seeing results? Absolutely, and um, you know, uh, yeah, we're definitely and seeing a shift in attitudes as well. You know that we not want don't want only um, wheelchair yeah, accessibility, but other accessibility. Yeah, to- yeah, right. not just to, that's right, not just to change um, physical things, but to change attitudes. And I think, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, my, my, the fact I'm in a wheelchair is is really, um, well, is, isn't an issue. It's, it's, it's people don't look at me differently, I think, because I just act as part of the system. And, um, but when I have the opportunity, I, I make a voice for it. So that's great. Thanks, man. We really appreciate it. It's, it's so good. You know, you've you've fired through a couple of proposals through to me over the last year, and it's, um, without somebody to put those in front of your your nose, you're not actually always aware. So, so keep that up. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. We're certainly we're working with Department of Conservation on some um, policy stuff as well around uh, accessibility in our national parks as well. So. Hey, so Quentin, tell me, how does the life you live now compare to your own early preconceptions of life in a wheelchair? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I mean, I I, I try not to make comparisons between um, what may or may not have been in that, um, you know, I suppose I just call it the new reality <laughs> um, in that, the reality we have is the reality we have and you've got to make the most of it. So um, I've got no idea where, where I'd be if I didn't have my accident. Um, I know that, um, that where I, you know, that where I am, I, I get certainly get some fulfillment from my role um, in the community and that um, being elected to, to represent the community and to be, um, part of that and I certainly still acknowledge the importance of activity and venture adventure in my life and I've just found had to find different ways to 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 do that and express that. Um maybe I'd be focusing on rock climbing and um 
paragliding if I, I hadn't had my accident, but I focus on skiing and sailing and hand cycling at the moment, you know. So. And there's a transfer of energy, a transfer of uh, thought and focus, right? And you're still the same person you were before, but just with, I guess, with a different um, a different perspective and, and of course, uh, different uh, interests, you know. That's, yeah. that's one thing that uh, some people forget and, you know, particularly those that know you already, you, you haven't really changed. You're just, you, your kind of situation's changed a little bit. So, um, well, actually, yeah, I mean, things have changed, but you're, you've just changed your, your focus onto other things. You're still, you're still often driven by the same things you were driven, driven to before. You still enjoy those same things. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think we need to, recognize that i mean you know the number of times i've been asked is do i play wheelchair basketball and you know i i didn't play basketball beforehand and i'm not interested you know not suddenly interested in wheelchair basketball now because i'm in a wheelchair um so that the things that yeah uh, the focus and the is on those things that i uh, you know in parallel to the my interests that um, rather than finding completely new ones, you know. Hey, so uh, if you could offer two pieces of advice, the first piece of advice for somebody who maybe is super new, is lying in a hospital or is just out of rehab, uh, and the second piece of advice for, for someone who's maybe three years down the track, what would those two bits of advice be? Um. Yeah, um, I would certainly encourage people to understand their psychology um, and understand the root of um, what makes them happy and sad. Um, you know, there's countless examples of where people in far worse situations than you or I live, live eminently um, fulfilled and happy lives. Mm. Um and I think we really need to recognise that I suppose happiness doesn't come from our um, our circumstance. It comes from our attitude. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that understanding that psychology is really important um, and, and what, yeah, as I said before, that understanding that for me that it, it wasn't, clinical depression it was anxiety it was uncertainty that drove my my mood that was um um, and understanding that was really empowering um and the second is that um is really to to get involved in community um i i'm a strong believer in inclusive um the inclusive approach to disability rather than a, a service provision approach so an example of that might be um, that I don't wait around for someone to provide an opportunity for me um, in the sailing club or, you know, to someone else to raise money and bring a boat in or um, that's adapted for, for people. I, I get in there and involved in the club on a day-to-day basis. So I was the mm. Commodore for three years and, just in the normal operations of the club and um, have found ways to, to participate in the club side by side with able-bodied people. So, um, Yeah, that's cool. I, 
yeah, I, I find that really important. I, I don't, um, yeah, being included in what's going on um, in the in the wider community rather than being isolated in a disability service provision sort of approach. So. so the other day, my my son Ocean, he's he's ten, coming up ten, and he was doing a sailing camp, and Kirsten, my wife, had gone out on the the boat to to assist, and I was pretty hesitant to to think that I'd be able to go out and and do that because I really wasn't a you know great deal of physical help. I can't pull them up the ramp and help them launch and things. But I did. I went out on the on the rib and and I was able to to support and tie tie the boats off and 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 lend some help. But then once on shore, you know, there was a, a big barbecue they that the club was preparing. And and I thought, look, I'm just I'm gonna go and say, hey, let me let me cook the barbecue. You know, I I offered to help and I ended up cooking this, you know, it took me about an hour to cook this huge, huge feed, this batch cooking of, of you know, all these burgers for everyone. And yeah. that was, that was cool. You know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm part of, I'm part, you know, so. I'm part of the community. And, part so, of the community, and part it's important of it. as. Yeah. Important as any other part. It's important as the, the people sailing out on the water and, um, um, you know, those small things sometimes you, it's it is support roles sometimes it's it's active roles i mean i was fortunate enough with my daughters learn to sail the other day that um i was actually able to take three kids out on my boat and teach them things and the kids were actually wanting to come on to to our boat rather than the learn to sail boats because you know so that, that really satisfying because it was it wasn't a second choice it wasn't a um a second tier, I was right on the front line of, of what was going on in that program, you know. So good. Look, Quinn, it's been so, so great to speak with you today. Thanks for sharing some of those, you know, some of those uh, deeper, deeper moments in your, in your journey the last 10 years. So, Quinn, what does the future hold for you and where can people learn more about you and follow you, uh, particularly on social media? Um, look, uh, I'm quite active on uh, Facebook and on Instagram and people can find me at Quentin Smith on Facebook or QK Smith on Instagram. And there's also uh, a bunch of stuff on YouTube, uh, not that current, but some good content there on QK Smith on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, looking definitely looking at pursuing the political um, career further and looking be seeking re-election in 2019 and that'll be a... Um, you know, another good challenge and continue the work we're doing there. And um, the other focus is really just to be focused on being a good dad to my daughter and ensuring that I'm a, that she doesn't miss out on anything because her dad's in a wheelchair. So being a dad without compromise and um, giving her every opportunity that she deserves. Admiral, mate, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been really great to chat with you. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for joining no us. No worries. Hopefully we'll see you on the ski hill sometime. Look forward to it, mate, for sure. Cheers, Quinn. Okay. Bye. See ya. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. 
Follow us there for more behind the scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.